I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. So I was really stressed out about what I wanted the first episode to be about because I feel like the first episode of a podcast really introduces like what you're trying to do in general. And I noticed actually that a lot of podcasts have like a first like three or four minute episode where they just kind of introduce their idea. And I think that's basically just to take the stress off of whatever their next episode is actually about. Mm. But... Donnie came up with a great idea, which was basically just to talk about the coolest thing in our apartment first and just like rip off the bandaid that way, I feel like. Yeah, that seems to me like the best approach. So I think actually you should tell this story because I'm the one who's always telling this story. And I feel like I have a pretty set way I tell this story, but I would like to hear what your experience of it was. And let me, I guess, introduce this by saying, obviously, we'll put a picture in the show notes, but... The coolest thing in our apartment is a gold ceramic table that is a face. Mm. A face table. A face table. And its name is Glenn. Mm -hmm. And we got Glenn at the Goodwill. Yeah. Uh, So it was the 14th Street Goodwill for anyone keeping score out there, Uh, which used to be a pretty good uh, Goodwill. You could find a lot of really pretty high-end pieces of clothing or random pieces of furniture there i found a really awesome woolrich fleece there uh that i've since grown out of but we were talking about this this morning i feel like this new goodwill or curated by goodwill bullshit that's going on is really killing like the goodwill vibes out there uh for everyone also remember we rolled up on this goodwill before this goodwill opened Mm. Which meant that they were kind of doing that curated thing there too, where they wanted to bring a bunch of people in because they were a brand new Goodwill. So everything we were looking at was like the best stuff the Goodwill has ever seen. That's true. In fact, the more I think about it, the fact that we bought Glenn at this Goodwill at their little curation auction thing, which I'll further explore, might mean that we were in fact contributing to the problem, which has led to curated by Goodwill. So basically we're just killing Goodwill is what you're trying to say. Yeah. You gotta sit on that for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in any event, Glenn. Uh, so we are, I don't remember when we first locked eyes with this face table, Glenn. Well, so we, it was the night. Uh, it was, it the, was night. the dark because we were going uh, to that show yes. that we had like no business being at because we weren't cool enough to be going to that like after hours audio visual show. <laughs> but <laughs> we were like walking down the street to the show and I turned and like espied it in the window. Mm, yes, that is true. I remember now. Uh, so it was in the window, and at some point we went and talked, asked to someone, asked asked to someone, asked someone uh, what the deal with it was, how much it was, and their answer was that it was going to be part of an auction. And I've never been to an auction, period, uh, which is a pretty exciting thought, or was an exciting thought at the time. Uh, and I wasn't really sure what a goodwill auction would entail, but... We said we would come back for it, and so the following day, we came back at 7 a.m., and Jordan was living in Crown Heights at the time, so we left Crown Heights probably like 6 a.m. to get to the 7 a.m. Goodwill auction uh, at 14th Street. 
So it wasn't an auction, like someone standing up there with a gavel being like, oh, once to go twice, 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 do I hear twice, do I hear two more times, $1,000, $1,000 to go, once to go, once to go, once to go, twice, 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 twice. It was, in fact, just a line uh, where you, they gave you this little deli number and you had to wait. But we didn't have a deli number, uh, which would have been pretty catastrophic had it not been for the fact that people wimped out. And as people continued to wimp out, they passed their numbers back, which was a pretty serious act of kindness. Because, like, one of my favorite New York City things is when a lot you, like, walk past people standing in line, and you just assume that, like, something cool has to be going on because people are standing in line for it. So we were there specifically to get this table because they told us they wouldn't sell us the table any other way. Mm. But people were just, like, walking past because it was on 14th Street and they were coming from Union Square, and they were like, oh, what is this line for? And when told, they were like, oh, I could wait in line for a little bit, and they just, like, got in line with us. Um, but as stuff started selling because there was like some great stuff in this window there were fur coats and there were like some Hermes scarves and so as stuff started selling people started bitching out of the line mm. yeah in fact I recall talking briefly with a scarf collector who was there specifically for those scarves uh, there was like a pretty eccentric line of people there was the woman who flipped Gucci loafers uh, <laughs> from her trash room down on the east side scarf collector guy Oh, everyone was very nice. Just like, it was an odd subset of humanity to be a part of for a minute. Not that, you know, anyone was like crude or rude, but it was this collection of people who go specifically to situations like this auction to either A, try to get cool stuff, but it seems more like B, they're trying to make some fast money and buy these designer scarves at Goodwill auction and flip them for a higher rate, which I mean, I guess is profitable. But it's like an interesting way to go about um, your side hustle or perhaps your main hustle. I don't know. The other thing was we had no idea how much anything in this window cost. Nothing mm. was priced, but it wasn't the sort of situation where you like make an offer. Everything had a price yeah. and they just didn't tell you the price until you got there. So there was a point where we realized that we were going to be able to buy this table because we were like next in line and no one else had bought it. But we had no idea how much we were going to have to pay for it. And I was pretty much resigned to giving them any amount of money they asked for. Mm. Yeah. It was nice, too. All the people were, like, rooting for us. It seemed like <laughs> no one saw our vision with the face table. So, like, scarf guy was like, oh, great, you're not going for the scarves, and I can be what you're about. I don't remember what Gucci loafer woman I think she was just there to be there. Yeah, she said <laughs> that she, like was just having a morning and saw everyone in line and like wanted to also be in the line because she had good luck in her trash room, essentially. So yeah, it, it no one wanted the table. It's not like a lot of people were competing for the fur coats. Yeah. And once those were gone, people kind of lost interest, but no oh, one man, like- Oh there's also the ocelot. <laughs> I wrote a whole I forgot. poem about that ocelot. I forgot. There oh, was like man. this- um, It was like a statue, oh, yeah. I would say. It was, it was like, onyx or something crazy but it was just it wasn't a jaguar it was decidedly an ocelot like something i don't even know some like 70s day trader would have in their mistress's apartment it was like some crazy crazy piece of furniture i think that that ocelot hung around after the auction as well i think i've walked past that goodwill a few times when yeah it was still there yeah no one wanted it for sure but like what a piece wow um yeah Wow, I forgot about the ocelot. In any event, this uh, face table wasn't selling, which is great news for us. Uh, people were pretty much on our side. It was pretty cutthroat about those coats. The fur, or like faux fur, I don't know if it was real. Um, 
people were getting pretty angry. Uh, a lot of people left in a huff after they sold. Uh, I like, I don't know. The tensions were high. In any event, it was good that we had a number because I remember we got in and then they started turning people away who didn't have numbers, which must have been pretty frustrating for the people who just joined the line and waited in the line like a good 40 minutes. Um, I don't know what their fate ultimately became. But we had our deli number from someone who decided to leave after their item of choice was sold or taken or, you know, whatever the verb is, depending on how strongly he felt about it. I don't remember. And then we get in there. Jordan's all amped up to spend any amount of money. Well, I'd also never waited patiently in line for longer than that. We were mm. there for a whole ass hour. And it was like winter. Mm. Remember, it was like we were cold. Yeah, it was pretty cold. Um, so yeah, I was just like, we have to take the table now. The table is for us. Mm. And it turned out it was $40. Which is a steal. Yeah, which seems very great. So then we obviously like had this porcelain table. I think they put it in the bag, but a bag that didn't have handles. Yeah. And we like took it on the train back to Crown Heights. I don't even think we, I don't think we got a bag. Did we get a bag? I don't remember. But I think we did get a bag because we wanted it covered. Yeah, we were like very precious about this table because yeah. obviously we'd like done the most for it. I think it was also up to that point, like the nicest thing we as partners collaboratively owned. That's I don't probably know true. that we had like went and bought anything or like like that up to that point and something about this table being all gold and us as partners making this purchase was just like oh shit like we have to take this back on the <laughs> like we can't let this get fucked up like oh man you know like I had bought in like random bullshit like uh I guess I hadn't gotten the trunk yet but we can talk about that later but yeah whatever random bullshit like I helped a roommate take like an office chair on the subway and who gives a fuck about an office chair like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> But, like, this all-gold table that I just waited with Jordan, it was, like, it was, like, smuggling something internationally. It was, like, <laughs> we had to make it from Union Square to Crown Heights. Or did we go to, no, we didn't go to Bushwick first. No, no. we took it to Crown Heights because that's where it lived until yeah. we moved here. Mm. And, yeah, it, it, it seemed very delicate because it is made of ceramic that, like, at any moment someone could, like, bump you and it would just be shattered and, like, all of your dreams would be shattered along with it. Yeah, it would also be shattered pieces of this face, which <laughs> is, like, particularly haunting, you know? But not only did Glenn survive the trip back to Crown Heights, but then he moved with us uptown and is still kicking. So his best uptown life. For sure. Um, we say all this to say, essentially, that like some of the best stuff we own is stuff that other people have previously owned, mm. which I don't know. I think is really in right now, but is maybe under discussed in terms of like why people prefer this, aside from just the fact that you can like get really cool stuff for forty dollars. Mm. I think I personally like. This is probably my drive a little bit to be like, oh, we should pick that thing out of the actual trash. <laughs> um, because I feel like people are always getting rid of stuff because it's like a little bit broken or whatever. But if you can really like see the beauty of something and what it could be, you can get some really good deals if you just pick stuff out of your neighbor's trash. Uh, I'm not as big on trash picking. Uh, I support the eco aspects of it for sure yeah i do however very much like thrifting uh i think there is a fine art to it and part of me really enjoys that process i get a little 
like overwhelmed in a dystopic way walking in to like old navy or h&m or any store where it's like clothes clothes look at all these clothes don't these clothes look so good there's music in the background for you to go <laughs> shopping to it clothes clothes you're and, right there's like very seldom like a soundtrack playing in like the goodwill yeah. when you're there <laughs> like i think only like christmas music from you know end of november to january they have shit going on there but yeah all the like poppy music in the fucking box stores and I guess they're not box stores, they're just clothing stores. But all the clothes come out of boxes, and that shit has to go somewhere. Um, yeah, it's weird. That being said, I like do a lot of like clearance browsing in those, and I've gotten a pair of like pants that I rock to most of my conferences and like professional gigs. But yeah, I like the art of like looking through racks of clothes, looking through furniture, and just seeing what's still a value, like not a value, because arguably yeah with like your mindset with the trash picking anything has value to it if you have the skills or the time or the desire to fix it and like bring it back to its former glory or to your vision of its glory i suppose which may be a weird wording of that situation <laughs> <laughs> but i think like that's not to say that i would pick anything out of the trash you know like i feel like especially in the city you have to be really careful about what you're bringing from the curb into your apartment or even like from a goodwill. I think like I'm very hesitant to bring upholstery in, you know, I, we bought a new couch that came out of a box because I didn't want bed bugs. Um, I, we have new rugs because that seems a little sketch to me. Like, I don't know what people have been doing with their rugs before they're donating them to the goodwill. Um, Obviously, like, our bed linens are new because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to do that secondhand. But I think there's really great stuff out there to be had, especially in the city when people are, like, just ditching stuff because it's a little old and they're millionaires and they can have something new mm-hmm. to get a really good deal. Like, at Housing Works, where people, like, on the Upper West Side are just taking their stuff to donate and write off. You can get, like, some really great stuff at housing works or like junk in brooklyn we don't usually advocate going to brooklyn by any means but this place has some really fantastic trash in it um and it's really curated like trash in there it's just literally piles of people's things yeah i will say it's definitely expensive more but for sure that's what you get for i mean it's right in the heart of williamsburg it's playing to that crowd of people that you were speaking to earlier where this kind of thing has become a fad in the sense of I think it's, I don't know, maybe people are being more conscious. Maybe I should be less cynical. I think the fad revolves more around a vintage look and a vintage aesthetic than an awareness of what making or buying new products that have to be made versus purchasing products that have existed entails. Um, but yeah, junk is sometimes a little expensive for my taste, but they do have good stuff to their credit. Which yeah. I guess is, in some sense, you're paying for that curation as well. I get the feeling that some people go to junk to, like, take an Instagram picture or in there. to film you know? a home video. Yeah, or to, like, film a video <laughs> of themselves having an experience in Brooklyn, which is something we've actually witnessed. Um, but 
So I think that's what you're paying for in the markup on the stuff so that you can have like that sort of experience. But I am glad we built some stuff to build a bookshelf, which we can also link in the show notes mm. on there. And I'm glad that we finally got a chance to make a purchase there because I feel like every time we're in there, we're like, oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. This would be cool. And we're never like on the hunt for something. Um, yeah, I've only ever made small purchases there. And I think that's sometimes the drawback is like I can go into one of those places and fall in love with 10 pieces. And really, you can only have a finite number of pieces of furniture in an apartment like this. Mm. So it was nice to like be on the hunt for something and to find it there. Yeah, true. We've also had really good luck at Big Reuse, which is now only in Brooklyn. Um, our coffee table pieces came from there. Though I feel like the one in Brooklyn is not as glorious as the one that is now closed in Queens was. And so I regret going out to Brooklyn for that sometimes. Yeah, it feels like it turned a little more uh, corporate. Or not, I don't think corporate is a word. But it seems if I was someone developing a new condo in Brooklyn, as many people are, then big reuse would be of use to me. But as just someone renting an apartment looking for a piece of furniture to fix up, it is of less use to me, I'd say. There are a lot of big pieces... There are a lot of, like, just, like, things that the average apartment, even just apartment owner, you know, apartment owner, apartment renter wouldn't need. Like, there are a lot of, uh, like, beautiful old-school-style bathtubs that if you're trying to make, like, a four-unit condo out of a house in Brooklyn, I guess you could presumably put this cool, like, I don't know what age it would be. Quaffa tub. Yeah, that's yeah. the term for it. You know, you could deck those out in all of your new build bathrooms you know and i think that's the market they're pitching to probably because it's more lucrative especially now that they're in brooklyn they're in what gowanus yeah right which is definitely that's happening there um though i do feel like if you find yourself in gowanus and also needing a piece of furniture it's not a bad place to go it's just that for us living uptown we have to make such a pilgrimage to get there that if we don't find what we want it's a huge bummer yeah sure but i I think that all of this kind of boils down to the fact that like you get to pick something really specific that probably no one else is going to have. And also if you're into decorating your apartment, it means that you get to spend a lot of time doing it because it's definitely not the easiest way hmm. to find the stuff you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I still regret every day not buying that giant skeleton art from Home Goods, but short of... <laughs> doing the uh i i like i don't know like manufactured art from stores like that and that being said i think that uh the little office thingy we have the office thingy the office uh the little cabinet, cabinet over there is the word yeah that is that's a tj maxx piece yeah and i'm also a huge fan of buying things at tj maxx and home goods um, which will also be another episode, I think, because the pro of TJ Maxx and Home Goods is that you can have them deliver in Manhattan for f for a fee. Ah, yes, that's true. Um, yes, yeah, so that being said, I'm not totally uh, against it. For but, sure. But, but I think for us, it's like a little bit the thrill of the hunt as mm -hmm. well. And so just finding something on the internet and having it shipped to us is not as fun. True. And really, like UPS barely comes here anyway, so we can't really <laughs> accept deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be its own episode once we get sponsored by FedEx. Talk shit <laughs> about UPS. FedEx is better. FedEx, <laughs> if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's cool to like find all of these 
pieces and bring them home. And then once we bring them home to like figure out what to do with them, because especially in the case of stuff like the uh, bookshelf that Mm. we just built, like we buy two pieces that don't really look alike. And we like literally set them on top of each other in the store. And we're like, is this going to work? And we're like, yeah, why not? But then we had to figure out what we were going to do to make it work. And that's also kind of a fun challenge for me to be like, how is this going to go together? How are we going to like match them? Most of the time I paint because paint is cheap. Mm-hmm. And paint is easy, and paint can be literally anything you want it to be because there are 10 billion colors of paint. And so that is a really good way to take two or more disparate pieces and like put them together, or to take something that's really old and shambly looking and make it look new, or like the chest that you bought at mm-hmm. home or at uh, Housing Works. No, that was uh, St. Francis. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's like someone needs to come. Fix St. Francis. Oh There's this great like church thrift store on the Upper West Side that is technically currently condemned by <laughs> the city of New York, but is being fixed. So like hopefully it opens again soon because it had lots of good stuff. But yeah, there was like a really weird image on the top of this thing. Yeah. Oh wait, actually I misspoke. You're right. It was housing works. The uh, my filing cabinet is, is from the church. Yeah. Anyway, the, yeah, it was an old, like, uh, imperial tea box, but not, like, old, old, where, like, it was worth money and actually on, like, a British vessel. Just, like, a weird, like, 90s advertisement for British imperialism. Uh, but, like, yeah. <laughs> not not to our taste. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much the perfect size. I store all my backpacking and hiking gear in it. Uh, and I have a lot. I have, like, multiple seasons worth, like, my winter sleeping bag and my summer sleeping bags in there. And it all folds nicely, so I needed, like, a serious chest. Uh, apparently, this uh, imperial tea chest. So, needless to say, uh, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of uh, British imperial rule. So, we were able to pretty easily paint over it. Yeah, I think it cost us probably, like, $20 in two hours. And now... We didn't even have to, I think the great thing about this is that you don't have to find a piece that matches your decor because you're about to make the piece match your decor. Yeah. Um, and so we found the thing that was the right size. It was the right shape. It was the right price. I think it was like $50 maybe. Yeah. And we could make it anything we wanted to be by just painting it. The other thing I really love to do and like bringing it back is decoupage, which I really just discovered and have really embraced very tightly. Um, which is basically a special type of glue that you use to adhere things, really to adhere anything to anything else. I like to use the decorative papers that you can buy at Paper Source because everyone knows that feeling when they're in Paper Source and they're like, wow, this paper is so pretty and I have nothing to do with it. And now I just basically glue it to all of my furniture, which is what we ended up doing with the bookshelf because we didn't want to paint the base. So rather than painting the shelf, I just decoupaged it. But you can do it with photos. You can do it with basically anything that's like paper-y or like bendable. Anything you would put glue on, essentially. Um, And the decoupage glue is both the adhesive and the finish. So you can buy a bunch of different finishes. 
And it's really nice because I don't particularly have a steady painting hand and I don't really consider myself an artist. And so I find it to be a really good way to get pattern into my projects because I can buy pieces of paper that have really beautiful colors and patterns on them. And it's really easy for me to just glue the paper to the furniture. I don't decoupage that, I don't much say that. You haven't stopped me from decoupaging yet though, which I think is maybe my own self-restraint. Ha! <laughs> um, but it's so, so easy. And I think honestly, while you're doing it, you're like, this is shambly. This is going to look so ugly. What is going to happen? And then you're done. And you're like, oh damn, that looks so nice though. It like is very, it's a very refined finish. I feel so it's really easy to get out of hand because anything that's particularly ugly, you can be like, oh, I'll just decoupage it and it'll be infinitely nicer. Though decoupaging in the 90s was also like a very bad vibe. So if you feel negatively about decoupage, I totally understand. But I think it can be resurrected. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And honestly, I think like when we are thinking about getting something, like when when we moved in, we were like, oh, we need like everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'll usually go mostly to Pinterest and start kind of like looking around and being like, oh, what do DIY bookshelves look like? Which is actually how I got the idea for Bench to Bookshelf, which Mm -hmm. we did, because there are tons of people doing DIY on the internet, specifically on Pinterest. And some of it is a lot and not exactly what I'm trying to do, but I feel like looking at other people's stuff is really helpful for me to get ideas. And it is very easy for me to say, oh, I see how I could make that what I want it to be and not what this other person has made it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know where I get, I'd say most of the ideas are for you. You're really the brains of the operation. I go for more wholesale things like the trunk or filing cabinet or the desk, which is kind of, well, I don't know. That's a thrift find, but for the sake of the episode, we'll count it. Wasn't that an Austin Christmas find? That was an Austin Christmas find. That's true. I think wholesale out of the trash still counts. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah, I would say some ideas I get, I think, like, the hiking and backpacking world has a lot of crossover just because of the environmental interests with DIY work. So sometimes on Instagram, people who I follow who are hiking, once they get off trail or if they show pictures of their, like, regular world selves, a lot of times they're DIYing, they're, like, fixing up old things. A lot of people will fix up old houses or do tiny house work, which I know is something else we want to talk about later. Uh, so in that world, there's a lot of crossover. And so sometimes I'll see something and I know I've showed you a couple of things I found and just be like, oh, look at this. Like, this is cool. Uh, I'm not such a big Pinterest fan. I tried it a little bit for education stuff and tried to get into it, but I don't know. It got a little dark. Do you remember? I was like on all these weird like parenting corners of Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've never contributed to Pinterest. I don't really understand how it works as a social network by any means. And you can definitely, I'm sure, find yourself in very weird parts of it. But I think that design has taken over so much of it. And there's like a very thriving design community on there that anything you're looking home-wise on there and probably fashion and a few other sort of niches, um, there's so much content out there for you. And I think their algorithm is pretty good in terms of showing you related things to your searches. I feel like I get a lot of the same things popping up a lot because they can tell that like, oh, that's the stuff you like, um, which is good. I think also something 
to look for is like when I find something that's new that I like that is perhaps a little more expensive than I want it to be, I try to think of a way to DIY it. Because sometimes I think maybe I'm more attracted to the price of things than I am to the actual object. <laughs> so if I find something that's more expensive than I want it to be, but I think, oh, this is a good aesthetic and this is what I want my thing to look like, it can lead to a DIY project down the road. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that. That makes sense. I think also, I guess I wanted to throw out there one almost disastrous project that I did because I think that often like blogs and these podcasts and stuff always talk about like all of the projects that went well and were really easily photographable and <laughs> that they're going to give you steps to do and it's going to be so easy, blah, blah, blah. But that I would say that on every single project I've done, something has gone wrong and I have need to br needed to bring it back and like... <laughs> sort of like rig it together mm. um but very very much so with the headboard dun, dun, dun. yeah because so i ordered all this fabric on etsy because i had a very clear idea of what i wanted it to look like and i found the fabric on etsy and i had it shipped here from india which was fine except it got stuck in customs for a really long time which was irritating but that was probably the easiest part of the project because probably something that we'll talk about in another episode is how difficult really silly things are to source in the city. <laughs> so like if you're building a headboard in suburbia, which is a totally easy DIY thing that every single DIY site has instructions for because it's so simple. You go to the Home Depot and you buy some wood. You have them cut the wood for you at Home Depot to the size that you want. <laughs> You go to Joanne's Fabric, you buy the fabric you want, you buy the batting you want, and you buy the foam that you want. And then you go home to your garage or your living room, you staple it all together, and then you like screw it into the wall. Ta-da! Now we don't even need to buy sound effects because you're here. Um, so this is what I know how to do, and this is the vision that I had. There are no Joannes in the city. The closest one is in New Jersey. I don't ever feel the need to go to New Jersey of my own volition. So I had to go to the fabric, the garment district, the garment district, and like go to every single fabric store on, I think it's 37th Street. And there's one, one that sells one inch thick upholstery foam. I now have their card. I like keep them in the back of my mind for every single DIY project I do. They also sell batting, but they don't have a lot of options in thickness. So like you're going to get the one kind of foam they sell and the one kind of batting they sell. It's also incredibly expensive. So this is one of those DIY projects that is not cheaper than just buying the thing that you wanted because all of these are now like niche products that I've purchased. Mm -hmm. Also, no Home Depots in the city cut lumber. It's difficult to tell why this is the case. Most of them don't even sell lumber because they don't have the space, but it might be like some sort of insurance thing that they can't have the saws in there. Lord only knows. Every Home Depot I've been to has been like, you need to leave the city if this is what you want to do. <laughs> Good news though, is I found Lumber Bros, which is on 37th and 1st, and they not only will cut the lumber to the size you want, but they will deliver it 
where you want it, which was really key because I wasn't going to carry a whole headboard worth of pegboard on the subway. It was too much. It was also incredibly heavy, which I didn't know until I was like there doing the thing. <laughs> so I paid them extra to deliver it. Um, but I had to go there, which was a pain because they wouldn't let me order it over the phone. So all of this like happens and I finally have my stuff and I'm going to do it. And I realized that the fabric is one inch shorter than I need it to be in order to cover this thing. And I'm already like in it. I'm already like staple gun out. I'm like kneeling on the thing on the floor. And I was just like, this is going to have to fucking work because if it doesn't, I'm going to freak out. And I ended up stretching it and it was fine. But <laughs> then we tried to hang it. And this is where you got involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like wearing the headlamp because uh, I can't see anything. And the tutorial that I found online, we had one of those Ikea beds that has the um, like metal headboard with the... Uh... The stuff, the metal stuff. Yeah, the metal stuff. And the reason I used pegboard was so that I could use zip ties to attach the headboard to the existing metal headboard. If you're gonna do this DIY based solely on my description of it right here, right now, let me just tell you that before you do anything, put the zip ties through your pegboard and then build your headboard. Because I'm trying to like get this shit through the holes and the holes are really far apart. And I'm like, literally any tool we had that I could stick through the hole to try to get the zip tie back through the hole, I was trying. And I was like, at this point, I was like mad. You were like trying to talk me down. <laughs> and I was just like cursing and the headlamps like falling off into my face. And I don't have particularly good vision anyway. So yeah, learn from my mistakes. Don't do any of those things essentially. But it all worked out in the end. We can put pictures of the headboard in the show notes. The headboard is also currently for sale on Craigslist and App Deco if you don't want to do this yourself, but do want to benefit from my mistakes. Actually, I don't know. I wasn't around for a lot of it until the lifting came. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was away. Well, I, I think I away. when I have these sort of cockamamie ideas, I try not to rope other people into them. Mm. Like if I'm trying to DIY a headboard and that's no one else's idea but my own, I try to take responsibility for it until the point that it looks like I'm going to stab myself trying to get a zip tie through the pegboard. Death by zip tie. Yeah, that would have been bad. Mm. I try not to bleed on my DIYs with like some level of success, I think. Yeah, I would say so. I don't remember you bleeding on any. Just wine bottles. Oh, I do bleed on wine bottles a lot, but we have that new wine bottle opener, so I'm hoping that that... Yeah, talk about a great thrift find. That's true. Where was that? That was great. The uh, The school market thing. Oh, yeah, on 79th Street, they have a good um, flea market on the weekends. I don't know if it's year-round, but definitely during the summer, uh, 79th and Columbus. It's, like, in this school, yeah. like, gym. Well, yeah, the parking lot and the gym, it's public school, and then I think the money go or not, like, the money from you, but the money that the vendors have to pay to use the space goes to support it. So you're, like, supporting a public school. I mean, supporting a public school in the West 70s, so I don't know how much money they need anyway, but still supporting a school and like kids learning, so that feels good. Yeah, it's kind of a wide array of things. There's some contemporary artists there hawking their shit, which is cool to see. Uh, there's food vendors. There's a lot of big stuff in the parking lot, a lot of rugs, a lot of big tables, 
and then inside the school itself can be pretty good, pretty hit or miss. There's a lot of it's like old stuff. Like this time around, there's a lot of like silverware, but not like just silverware, like Johnny Tremaine silverware, you know, like handcrafted silver. Um, but then also we bought those cloths that you wanted to try there inside. That's true. That was not like a a reused situation. No, though. but we get to reuse them. That is true. Boom. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's cool. It's worth checking out. We got this cool fish wine bottle opener because our old bottle opener rested soul broke. I think that thing survived Austin with me though. So like, fair. It was, it was a good guy. He lived <laughs> lived a long life. Yeah, yeah, so it's good for like little trinkets. I don't know that I'd ever buy anything wicked big there. Nothing there is really to my taste, like all the big stuff they have. Um, yeah, worth checking out, for sure. We'll basically stop anywhere that it looks like someone is selling something they've already used. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. It's worth noting, you know, checking out. It's easy to find any kind of story. I think that's also kind of the fun stuff of this, right? Like, some of them have, like, updates and events and Instagrams you can follow, like the... Uh, I mean, obviously the Brooklyn Flea. What's the one, the lower one, the Hell's Kitchen one? That oh, one. Um, those are called the Annex Markets. Oh, yeah. And those are really good. There's one on 34th and there's one on 25th or 6th. Uh, and those tend to be really good. There's also the Hester Street Fair. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. We that's more like links. a street. That's more like used, though. That's true. There's like vendors more. Yeah. Around. We can put links to the stuff we know of in the show notes as well. Yeah. But yeah, I like that some of these things just exist and you either know about them or you don't. You know, like no one. Yeah, they no. don't make a lot of effort to like yeah. get people to be there. I was about to say no one is foursquaring into these places, but I don't know if anyone is still foursquaring in, to be honest. I think foursquare still exists, but like not for that because they realized that was creepy. What do they do? Yeah. They're like kind of like Yelp. Oh. Yeah, you oh. can write reviews of places you've been. Weird. I never used Foursquare, period. I continue to not use Foursquare and probably never will. Yeah, Foursquare, not endorsed by this podcast. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't have any beef with Foursquare, but. <laughs> <laughs> if they wanted to advertise with us, they could hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> Them and FedEx. <laughs> well, I feel like that is all we have for today. Cool. Sounds good. We'll see you next time at Apartment 26.